Welcome back. This week, we are talking about the court's ruling in the Petito Laundry civil case. Lots of civil cases going on, but we also have an incredible deal from our sponsor, Green Chef. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, and as the only keto meal kit, they make it easy to stick to your plan this summer. Get 60% off plus free shipping with code EMILYBAKER60 at greenchef.com slash emilybaker60. Now, let's get into today's episode because we have a lot of motions and rulings to talk about. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the internet's go-to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. In the Petito Laundry civil case, there was a hearing back on May 24th. I covered that hearing on my YouTube channel. If you want to go over there and see my commentary over the entire hearing, that's where it is. But at that hearing, the court heard motions to dismiss from the laundries and from their attorney, Stephen Bertolino, as well as motions regarding a protective order and about that burn after reading letter, which kind of stole the show because A, we hadn't ever seen the full contents of the letter, and B, it's just so freaking wild that Roberta Laundrie wrote that letter to Brian Laundrie. It's undated, and there's a lot of room for interpretation of, was this written when Brian Laundrie went on the run or went to go to the preserve where he ended up taking his own life, or was it written before he went on the road trip? And if so, did Roberta Laundrie know that this was a possibility? It's wild. So the civil case, just as a quick road so far, is between Gabby Petito's parents and Brian Laundrie's parents. The Petitos are alleging that Brian Laundrie's parents made outrageous statements that caused emotional distress. So it's an intentional infliction of emotional distress claim in kind of a novel way. We've not seen intentional infliction of emotional distress used this way. And part of that is what did the laundries know when through their attorney, Stephen Bertolino, they made a statement to the media. Now, if they had simply remained silent, could this case have been brought? I don't think so. Even though you saw Gabby Petito's parents in the news begging for information regarding her whereabouts from the only people they thought could give it to them, the laundries. And the laundries, through their attorney, put out a statement that is the subject now of this civil lawsuit. It remains my belief that this civil lawsuit is more about discovery than it is about going to trial. And there are motions for depositions, which means Gabby Petito's parents at some point will be sitting in a deposition with each of Brian Laundrie's parents, with their attorneys, able to ask questions about what was known and when before this case goes to trial, which is why I don't think this case will settle, because I think the overwhelming weight of what this lawsuit is about is answers. And for Joseph Petito and Nicole Schmidt, Gabby Petito's parents, I don't know if any answers will ever be good enough I don't know if any answers will ever actually bring them 
the closure that they seek when their daughter was murdered in such an awful way by someone that she trusted and someone that they trusted, someone who they were anticipating becoming their son-in-law. It's a heartbreaking case, as so many cases are. But I don't know if this civil lawsuit will bring the closure that they hope for. Maybe it will, and I hope that it does. But I don't know if they're ever going to get the answers that they're hoping for, and we will see. I think this will see trial. And if it does, well, the first order from the court in this last group of orders that were all handed down last week is a scheduling order. So why don't we go through the trial order first and then get into the substantive orders with regard to the laundry motions and the Bertolino motions and talk about, is this similar to what we saw in Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, where Johnny Depp got sued by Amber Heard for statements made by his attorney? Because now we're seeing the laundries being sued for statements made by their attorney, but we're also seeing the attorney being sued. So a little bit of a similar situation, but in a very, very different way. So this is the order continuing trial and directing the clerk to update the case management system. We had heard that the court had bumped the trial back, but in the case system and on the docket, it was still set for this year. <laughs> on June 14th, the court filed this scheduling order. The pretrial conference is set for March 22nd, 2024. The docket sounding conference is set for May 3rd, 2024. And then the trial is set to begin on May 13th, 2024. So no, this will not be going to trial this year. This is a substantial amount of time between now and trial, but there is a lot of discovery still to be done in this case. And while May 2024 will just be here before we know it, and I think we will see more motions and probably more court hearings on motions before we get there, though these motions to dismiss have been denied, I imagine down the road we will see motions for summary judgment, which are a much more thorough evaluation of the case, though in this case, some of these things might just need to be decided by a jury. But that's going to be real interesting because the law, as far as I can tell, hasn't been applied to a case like this. We haven't seen intentional infliction of emotional distress for statements made that on their face aren't necessarily outrageous, but we see case law in Florida talking about um, certain plaintiffs who might be more susceptible to that outrage that is the basis of this claim. And we heard a lot about those cases in the oral arguments, and I'm sure we will see the court talking about them as we get into these court orders, which is exactly what we're going to do now after a word from our sponsor. Thank you to our sponsor, Jenny Kane. Jenny Kane is your one-stop shop for handcrafted furniture and home decor because you can make any home your dream home with Jenny Kane. What I love is that the pieces are classic and simple and well-made. Shopping for home decor can be so stressful and time-consuming, but Jenny Kane has the elevated style and quality you've been looking for. From throws and pillows to 
complete beds and nightstands. The products are worth the investment and are built to last forever. I love my throw blanket that I've gotten from Jenny Kane, but I also love the selections of candles and pillows, the things you really need to not just update your home quickly, but make it feel cozy. And all the candles are California inspired and hand poured right in Los Angeles. Go find your forever pieces at jennykane.com slash home. Emily Show listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code LAWNARD at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at jennykane.com slash home, code LAWNARD. Jenny Kane, in neutrals, we trust. Let's get back to today's episode. We are going to the laundry family motions to dismiss first. And I say motions because it is for both Christopher and Roberta Laundry. We've also seen them file motions to dismiss before, and we've seen them denied before by the judge who had this case before it was transferred to the new judge. Why was it transferred to the new judge? I do not know. I have not seen anything that indicates that there was a reason. It might be scheduling. It might be that the judges shifted around. Somebody might have filed a motion that I have not seen. Either way, it is before a new judge, but What the previous judge did is going to be carried over by this judge. So there is some consistency. So we, I think we'll see some of that as we get into this motion. This was also filed by the court on June 14th. Order denying defendant Christopher Laundrie and Roberta Laundrie's motion to dismiss second amended complaint. This cause came before the court for hearing on the 24th of May, 2023 on defendant Laundrie's motion to dismiss the second amended complaint and plaintiff's response to the motion. Plaintiffs were present and represented at hearing by Pat Riley, Esquire. Defendants were represented at hearing by P. Matthew Luca, Esquire. The court has considered the second amended complaint filed in this case, the motions and the case law provided and the arguments, and is otherwise advised in the premises. The premises, (laughs) the underlying shit in this case, as stated by the undersigned's learned colleague. Now, sometimes the phrase learned colleague can be like a snarky with all due respect or like a bless your heart. But I think in this case, when the court is referring to the other judge, that it's not with snark. It is truly a, I am restating what my esteemed colleague, the previous judge in this case said. So the motion says, as stated by the undersigned, meaning this court's. And I actually wish the judge had just said by this court's learned colleague, but it's fine. By the undersigned's learned colleague in the order denying defendant's motion to dismiss entered previously in this case, quote, today's ruling does not determine what happened to Gabby Petito. Instead, today's ruling is technical in nature. It determines only whether Gabby Petito's parents, the plaintiffs, stated a valid claim against the defendants. And here's what we need to keep in mind with a motion to dismiss. With a motion to dismiss, different than a motion for summary judgment, all inferences are taken by the court to benefit the plaintiff or to benefit the non-moving party. The defendant makes this motion, so all the inferences you can make go towards the plaintiff. And this, you heard it a lot in the oral argument, but this motion in particular takes into account only the four corners of the document. And what that means is really only what's on the page of the document. So is what's written on the page, if assumed to be true and provable at trial, 
is it enough for there to actually be a cause of action here? And sometimes the answer is no. And I've covered cases like that where within the complaint itself, it undermines the entire premise or theory of the case. And you're like, well, you wrote it in the complaint that what was said was true. So the defamation cause of action has to go because you admit that the statement is true. Yeet. So it it's based on the complaint. And if the things said in the complaint are true, can the complaint move forward? And in this case, because the motion to dismiss is denied, the answer is yes. Now a motion for summary judgment is going to be different. It is a more fulsome balancing of the evidence and the facts gathered. It's after discovery has taken place, after deposition. This is a cursory first motion, assuming everything's true, saying there's still not enough. The motion goes on to say the undersigned also reiterates her learned colleague and that the reader of this order should be cautioned that any allegation discussed in this order is simply that, an allegation, not a proven fact. So the judge is very aware of the high-profile nature of this case, and once the media, it seems, to also be reminded that this is a motion to dismiss, all the allegations are assumed to be true as a function of law to determine if those allegations all assume to be true, is there enough to let this lawsuit go forward? And the court goes on next to restate that, saying under Florida law, the court must assume all well-pleaded facts are true when ruling on a motion to dismiss. Emily, keep reading. You've said it like seven times now. <laughs> Sorry, ADHD. I'm prone to repeating myself because I want to make sure it's clear. And then the court's like, the court must assume all well-pleaded facts are true when ruling on a motion to dismiss. Well, shit. <laughs> Quote, a motion to dismiss tests the legal sufficiency of a complaint to state a cause of action. It does not turn on issues of ultimate fact. And then the court goes on and repeats themselves with a whole bunch of case law that says the same thing. So I feel like I am in good company. It continues to say, therefore, in a ruling on a motion to dismiss, a trial court is confined to the four corners of the complaint and must take as true all well-pleaded material facts. Good. Well, we're all on the same page. The order goes on to say, further, a motion to dismiss is not a substitute for a motion for summary judgment. It's like the court and I were on the same page. You know, it's why I do first looks on these things. So I can give you my take on it and then go through and see what the court does. One of these days, maybe I'll just go through them first and then summarize them for you, but only when we have voluminous things to cover. Further, a motion to dismiss is not a substitute for a motion for summary judgment. And quote, the court may not transform a motion to dismiss into a motion for summary judgment. Remember, at summary judgment, the facts are determined a little bit more and the evidence is weighed more. Here, it's not. It continues saying plaintiffs sued defendants for intentional infliction of emotional distress in counts one to four, and five of their second amended complaint, Florida recognizes the tort of IIED. Quote, to state a cause of action for IIED, a complaint must allege four elements. One, deliberate or reckless infliction of mental suffering. Two, outrageous conduct. Three, the conduct caused the emotional distress. Four, the distress was severe. I'm not even going to debate at the moment that the distress was severe the defense will debate it later. The defense has been arguing that 
the conduct of the laundries was not outrageous, that the conduct of the laundries, the statement by Stephen Bertolino, did not cause emotional distress to Gabby Petito's parents. The situation is what caused emotional distress, though we've seen in case law in Florida at oral argument at this hearing that there can be compounding distress. So even though you're distressed by another situation, it doesn't mean it can't be made worse by how people act, which that case law is very helpful to Gabby Petito's parents in this case. And they're going to argue the deliberate or reckless infliction of mental suffering. And that's where the burn after reading letter is so important in this case, because if that letter is written after, then it proves that at some point Roberta Laundrie knew what happened and was offering to aid her son while publicly saying to the Petitos, we hope you find her good luck. And that a jury may find to be reckless and they may find it to be outrageous. And I think we're going, if this goes to a jury, and if they get through those prongs, they're going to find that that conduct caused some emotional distress on top of what else was going on. And of course, the distress is severe. That's a whole nother thing. It's different than someone just going missing or just not being found. It's a violation on another level when people who may have that information are lying about whether or not they have that information. And that's what's going to be argued by Gabby Petito's parents in front of a jury when this goes to trial. It goes on to say the question for today is whether the plaintiffs stated causes of action for the tort against defendants Christopher Laundrie and Roberta Laundrie. Analysis. Many of the arguments made in defendants' motion to dismiss and at hearing for same have been addressed by the undersigned's predecessor in the order denying defendants' motion to dismiss entered previously in the case and in the undersigned's order denying defendant Bertolino's motion to dismiss dated the same date as this order, which we will be going through next. The court adopts the analysis and legal conclusions of both uh, stated orders herein and will not address the arguments resolved in those orders in this order. I've done this. The court limits its analysis herein to the specific arguments not otherwise stated in the two previous orders. Causation. Who caused the thing? The court finds that the plaintiffs have adequately pled causation. Specifically, causation is directly pled in paragraphs 42, 44, 48, and 50 of the Second Amendment complaint. To the extent causation has not been directly pled, reasonable inferences made in favor of the plaintiff support causation when reviewing all factual allegations in the Second Amendment complaint. In reviewing the motion to dismiss, the court is required to view all reasonable inferences arising from the allegations in favor of the plaintiffs. So, argument that plaintiffs must be present. Defendants argued that plaintiffs' cause of actions fail because a plaintiff must be present for the infliction of emotional distress. After review of all factual allegations of the Second Amendment complaint and all reasonable inferences arising from the allegations in favor of plaintiffs, it can be inferred that the conduct alleged was directed towards the plaintiffs. Specifically, both statements reference Gabby Petito's quote-unquote family. So you don't have to say it directly to them. Communicating it to the media directed at them is sufficient for now. Additional arguments. To the extent defense made additional arguments to support a dismissal in their motion or adhering as to the same, the court has determined that none are sufficient to preclude the court at the motion to dismiss stage from concluding that the second amended complaint states a cause of action for IIED. And then the court rules. Therefore, defendant Christopher Laundry and Roberto's Laundry motion to dismiss is denied. 
defendant Christopher Laundry and Roberta Laundry will answer the Second Amendment complaint within 10 days of this order. Hopefully, this will get this case moving more swiftly into discovery. They will be able to start getting to depositions. I think the most extensive motions that we will see is the summary judgment. And and I I don't know how I feel about covering summary judgment motions because as a judicial research attorney, I covered some some summary judgment motions that came to my office in boxes. <laughs> so, so I know how extensive they can be. And I imagine these will be extensive, but we will learn quite a lot about this case if summary judgment motions are made and those are heard before the court. It it can almost feel like a court trial when you get to that summary judgment phase. So let's get into Stephen Bertolino's motion. Stephen Bertolino is, or well, not currently, but was at the time, the attorney for the laundries. He was representing them in some way, but he seemed to represent Brian Laundry. So at what point he was representing Brian Laundry and then Roberta and Christopher Laundry is kind of unclear, but he has admitted that he was representing them in some capacity, different really than what we saw in Depp Heard, where it was a everything's privileged and I'm not saying shit. Um, there's been more information in this civil case than in that civil case about the nature of the attorney-client relationship. So this June 14th order denying defendant Stephen Bertolino's motion to dismiss starts out in exactly the same way as the other motion, saying that, you know, as stated by the undersigned's learned colleague, today's ruling does not determine what happened to Gabby Petito. And then reminding again, whomever might read this across the internet, far and wide, that what is contained are allegations, not proven facts. Then it goes through the law again, uh, just literally copy and pasted the law stating what the court assumes on a motion to dismiss. And then we get into the analysis, which is going to be a bit different here. The causes of action are the same. It's intentional infliction of emotional distress. But Bertolino's a little bit different in this because he's not really the speaker. So is it really reckless or deliberate for him when he is really speaking for the laundries. Like, it's going to be interesting to me, can Bertolino be responsible if they find the laundries responsible? Because he's really literally just the messenger at that point, doing his job as an attorney. And I think a lot of attorneys will be watching this case with a substantial amount of interest because attorneys say things on behalf of their clients all the time. And oftentimes, some of those things can be harsh, can be cold, can be rude. So if you start seeing parties suing attorneys for intentional infliction of emotional distress because attorneys are doing their job as zealous advocates for their client, things in the attorney world are going to get real strange. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this part of the case progresses because if you're really passing it through, that what Bertolino said is really attributable to the laundries, do you also, or can you also, hold Bertolino responsible? I have a lot of questions about this one. I understand why they're suing Bertolino, but I don't know if this defendant will ultimately make it past all the motions to dismiss to trial. The order says defendant Bertolino argues that there are, quote, no material facts pled 
which even remotely establish that Mr. Bertolino acted with an intent to cause severe emotional distress or with reckless disregard. Alternatively, Bertolino argues, even if the conduct alleged is extreme and outrageous, quote, it is privileged under the circumstances as Mr. Bertolino was doing nothing more than acting as the laundry's attorney and exercising their legal rights in a permissible way. Argues defendant Bertolino, he had, quote, an absolute privilege with respect to statements made as the laundry's attorney on their behalf. And then it says the court limits its analysis to the specific arguments made by defendant Bertolino in his motion to dismiss and hearing as to same. It's the same. The language is a little clipped in this order, which is interesting. But I understand Bertolino's argument here. But I don't know if litigation privilege is going to apply here because there wasn't any litigation going on with the laundries. It seemed to me that the laundries hired Bertolino because they were worried there would be criminal consequences for Brian Laundry, indicating again that perhaps they knew what happened to Brian Laundry enough that they knew that he immediately needed a lawyer. And then when he disappeared, that they knew that they also needed a lawyer. So let's continue on. Defendant's silence or failure to act, quote, pursuant to plaintiff's oral stipulation made at the hearing, plaintiffs concede that no defendant in this matter had a legal duty to plaintiffs to speak or act. Well, at least that question's answered because I think the first time I read this lawsuit, I said, where is there a duty here anywhere? And there's not, which is why we only have causes of action for IIED. It goes on to say, consequently, the allegations of silence and failures to act on their own and in isolation will not be considered as satisfying any of the elements required for IIED. So had the laundries not said anything at all, we wouldn't be here. Alleged outrageous conduct. Like his co-defendants, defendant Bertolino argues that the statement alleged to have been made are clearly not outrageous on their face. Quote, whether conduct is outrageous enough to support a claim for IIED is a question of law, not a question of fact. Meaning, whether a statement is outrageous will ultimately be for the court to decide. And that is where this case, I think, will get very heavy in summary judgment, because that is when we will see the court weighing facts and evidence and determining if, as a legal matter, this can see a jury, because if the conduct is not outrageous, then this doesn't make it to trial. And it can go to trial as to one defendant, two, or all three. But summary judgment is going to be busy. And yes, every time I say outrageous, I either think of Gem in the Holograms or Britney Spears. That is what happens in my brain every single time. And if you're like, Emily, What's a gem in the holograms? I'm sure the cartoons are somewhere on the internet. Do yourself a favor. It is late 80s deliciousness. It goes on to say, in making this argument, defendant Bertolino invites the court to disagree with her predecessor judge's ruling. The court declines this invitation. Oh, I need all of the judges to start saying, this court is disinclined to acquiesce to that request. <laughs> all of them because it's such a well-written line. <sighs> this court declines this invitation and adopts the analysis of her predecessor found in Section 3 
of the order denying defendant's motion to dismiss. This court also goes further. It's like, ha and I raise you. This court also goes further. Quote, the second amended complaint sets out factual allegations of events that are alleged to have occurred between 2 July 2020, paragraph 10, Brian Laundrie and Gabrielle Petito become engaged to marry through 23 October 2021, paragraph 32, an interview conducted by a Sarasota reporter. While the undersigned's predecessor focused primarily on the September 14th, 2022 statement with in this court's view, correct and well-reasoned analysis, such an event-focused and specific approach is not necessary to determine that plaintiffs have sufficiently pled a cause of action for IIED. The Stedman case is instructive in that it describes the importance of context in IIED cases. Isolated conduct may not be sufficient to state a cause of action. However, taking in all contexts, considering it alongside with other content, and putting it in context, a cause of action for IIED may be well pled. Simply put, at this stage of litigation, it is not one alleged statement, act, or event that determines whether the plaintiffs have sufficiently pled their case. It's all of them collectively pled together, which is very helpful to the petitos. It's not just the statement and the words of the statement in their plain meaning. It's the fact that Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie are engaged. It's the fact that Gabby lived with the Petitos, that these families were close to one another. It's different than a stranger on the street and what they might say to you about uh, a circumstance as horrific as your child being missing. It's very, very different. And so the court is saying all of that and the statements made by the Petitos asking for response, and then the laundry's response through their attorney in the media, all of that gets taken into consideration when deciding whether or not a statement is outrageous, not just the words. Defendant wishes this court to review all allegations of conduct or lack of conduct as isolated incidents that on their own would not, as a matter of law, constitute outrageous conduct. If the court was permitted to do that, defendant would be correct in his assertions. However, Pleading a cause of action for IIED is not always so simple. So the court is kind of putting a check on this. And the defense attorney, I think, did a very good job arguing this the best that they could in court saying, Your Honor, these words can simply never be outrageous. And the court is saying, well, actually, when you look at the words with everything else that has happened, it can be. For now. It goes on to say, defendant argues that this court's predecessor did not have the luxury of reviewing the entire statement alleged to have been made on September 14th, 2021, as only a portion of that statement was contained within the amended complaint. The parties filed a joint stipulation regarding the motion to dismiss, allowing this court to review the entire statement as if it was included in the second amended complaint. Reviewing the entirety of the statement within the context of the other allegations does not change this court's analysis. Like, hey, thanks for giving us everything, but the analysis stands. Goes on to say, defendant further argues that the second amended complaint does not offer any explanation as to how the September 19th, 2021 statement was a legal cause of severe emotional distress or how it could be. Here, the court's analysis is the same. 
The allegation of the September 19th statement on its own would not constitute outrageous conduct. However, all alleged conduct put together satisfies the pleading requirements for IIED. Defendant also argues that the September 14th, 2021 statement did not affirmatively suggest that Gabby Petito was alive or deceased. Argues defendant inferences could be made that, quote, reunited with her family could also mean that her remains would be reunited with her family. Yeah, they argued that in court. I think we had almost 20,000 of you in the chat when I was covering this hearing. And um, that argument did did not go over well in the court of public opinion. It is a legal argument. They are trying to legal legally argue the um, hair splitting, what the definition of is, is anyway, with reunited could mean remains, not mean that Gabby would be found alive and reunited with her family. The court goes on to say, however, in the same vein, reasonable inferences could also be made that reunited with her family means that Gabby Petito would be reunited with her family alive. In reviewing the motion to dismiss, the court is required to view all reasonable inferences arising from the allegations in favor of the plaintiff. Therefore, even if defendant suggested inference is quote unquote reasonable, its applicability is not at the motion to dismiss juncture of this litigation. In this instance, even with the full September 14th statement being considered, taking all well-pleaded allegations as true and considering all inferences in favor of the plaintiff, as is required when ruling on the motion to dismiss, the plaintiffs have sufficiently pled a cause of action for IIED against defendant Bertolino. Then it goes on to talk about privileges. And this is where we get into the fact that this is the attorney. Alternatively, defendant Bertolino argues that the conduct alleged in the Second Amendment complaint is privileged conduct requiring dismissals of the counts against him. The assertion of a privilege to assert a legal right in a legally... This sentence, I really appreciate the court, but this sentence isn't it. I've tried like three times to reread this sentence. I can't. The court is saying that asserting a privilege is an affirmative defense and a motion to dismiss under the case law in Florida is not going to be granted on the basis of an affirmative defense unless the defense is established on the face of the pleadings. So within the four corners, meaning if you plead a defamation case, but then also plead that the statements made are true, then, you know, you you have a defense there. True. And also you have no cause of action. So the court goes on to say, defendant Bertolino argues that the four corners of the second amended complaint define Bertolino as the lawyer acting on behalf of the laundries. According to defendant Bertolino, quote, as the attorney for the laundry family, Bertolino had both a legal duty and legal right to issue a statement on Ms. Petito's disappearance in a permissible way. While this argument may hold weight as an affirmative defense at the summary judgment or trial phases of this litigation, it does not pass the test on a motion to dismiss review. And the court, I think, is right that this might be a bigger issue at summary judgment. The court goes on to say it is true that, quote, generally an attorney serves as an agent for his client. However, it is also true that an agent may be individually liable for torts committed even while acting for its principal. 
Taking all alleged facts as true and making reasonable inference in favor of plaintiff, a reasonable inference could be made that defendant Bertolino knew everything his clients knew and still acted as alleged in the second amendment complaint. Whether or not the conduct alleged was done as a matter of right in a permissible way is a question for another day under a different review standard. Save it for summary judgment. Defendant Bertolino finally argues that he's entitled to absolute immunity because his conduct was in connection with his representation of the Laundry family. Bertolino broadly argues that, quote, absolute immunity is afforded to any act occurring during the course of a judicial proceeding, regardless of whether the act involves a defamatory statement or other tortious behavior, so long as the act has some relation to the proceeding. Keep reading, Emily, because I want to just argue about the fact that there was no proceeding pending. It is important to note the court says that absolute and qualified immunity as described in the cases cited by the defendant relate to a lawyer's representation of a client during litigation and to some extent during pre-litigation investigations. Defendant requests the court to infer from the Second Amendment complaint that the laundries faced criminal investigation and media inquiries and that he should be afforded absolute immunity because of his representation. While it is true that this inference may be made, it is also reasonable to infer on the second amended complaint that the laundries were not facing litigation at the time of the alleged conduct. Therefore, while defendant Bertolino may utilize the litigation privilege and immunity that follows as an affirmative defense, it does not act to defeat plaintiff's causes of action. Right. So Bertolino would have to spill the tea on whether there was an investigation of the laundries at that time. But he still owes an attorney-client privilege or an attorney-client duty. But he still owes a duty to the laundries. And I don't know if he can disclose those facts because he's bound by attorney-client privilege. And the only person that can waive that is the client. So I don't even know if he'll get to make that argument down the road. The court goes on to say additional arguments. To the extent Defendant Bertolino made additional arguments to support dismissal of his motion or hearing as to same, the court has determined that none are sufficient to preclude the court at motion to dismiss stage from concluding that the Second Amendment complaint states causes of actions for IIED. And then it says, therefore, denied. Are you spending more time outside as the weather's getting warmer? Or maybe you're spending more time inside as the weather's gotten way too warm. Either way, Fast Growing Trees has you covered to make sure you're indoors, and your outdoors has some new natural beauty in your space. From shade trees or fresh fruit or just looking for indoor plants or perhaps a favorite shrubbery, fastgrowingtrees.com has you covered and their expert advice can help you find plants exactly for your climate. And when you're on the website, you can search indoor plants by the kind of light that they like. So you know that maybe in a room that doesn't get direct sun, you can still find plants that will thrive like we did. And they have fast, reliable shipping plus a 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, which means you don't have to worry about your plants looking great out of the box and knowing that they're going to thrive as they get settled in your home or garden and join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash lawnard for 15% off your entire order. That's 15% off your entire order at fastgrowingtrees.com slash lawnard. Let me know what you pick on social. And let's get back to today's episode. So let's get to my final thoughts on these motions. I think this is a big win 
for the petitos, getting past the motion to dismiss stage when you are dealing with a case, especially a kind of novel fact pattern for a particular cause of action is a really big deal because that's what gets you into discovery. And again, I think that is a big part of the purpose of this case is to get answers about what the laundries knew and to try to find every answer they can about what happened to their daughter. So even if there are issues here for summary judgment, and the court talked a lot about summary judgment in these motions to dismiss, because some of the arguments made by the attorney are better fit for down the road, I think we could see issues as to the Bertolino causes of action when we get to summary judgment. But again, those motions come after discovery, and we will learn a tremendous amount about this case from those motions, from the evidence presented in the course of arguing those motions and at oral argument for those motions. So do I think we will see those motions? Yes. Do I know the exact timing of when we will see them? No, but it will probably be early, either at the very end of this year or early on in 2024. So we have a long way to go with this civil case, but it's going to be something that I am following. One, because I want to see how they determine whether or not this attorney can be liable for inflicting emotional distress when he's making a statement for clients. But, but if there's no litigation pending, litigation privilege might not apply. But again, he's not the speaker. So is it really reckless? But what did he know? What did the laundries tell him? A lot of that can't really come out in discovery unless the laundries have waived that privilege to allow Bertolino to defend himself. And Bertolino's not arguing he wasn't their attorney at the time. So that's not going to come into play at this stage. But wouldn't it be wild if he did? If he was like, well, actually, I was hired to represent Brian. I didn't really represent them. So let me tell you everything. I don't think it's going to happen because he's already asserting the privilege that he's their lawyer in his motions. Um, and so Estoppel would probably stop him from making that argument in court. But we've seen weirder things happen in the cases that I'm covering here. So this week, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Emily Show. If you're following me around social, you know that I am at VidCon this week. So if you are enjoying that coverage, and I hope that you are, there will be lots of that on the socials and behind the scenes in our members-only spaces. So with all of that, Thank you for being here and letting me break down these rulings for you. Um, I didn't think the court was going to change their mind with regard to the laundry motions. I think they were, I thought that the judge would kind of stay in step with what the previous judge had done. I was more curious about what would happen with the Bertolino motion because they do point out some good, good arguments, but most of those arguments are best reserved for MSJ, your motion for summary judgment. So with that, grab a glass. Raisin on up with me. I've got my Lawnard Pride new 20-ounce mug. I love it. If you're listening, you'll have to go over to the YouTubes to see it, but it's fantastic. So with that, may your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your family be well. May your summer be warm. And may the odds be ever in your favor. And may your travels be easy. I guess that's another one because that's what I'm putting out there for myself this week. <laughs>
<laughs> May you book your airfare to the proper city. And with that, Lawnard, I will see you in the next one. You can find more Lawnard goodness in our private Lawnard community over at lawnardsunite.com. And if you want to stay up to date with everything I'm covering, you can follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker. I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I recap those streams for those of you a little pressed for time over on the Quick Bits podcast and Quick Bits YouTube channel. Thanks for being a Lawnard. <laughs>